0: following program is brought to you by your friends at podcast one
1: and now an ad from dad all right save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with progressive can i take these off all right what is this this looks good wow that's what man where did you get this
0: i'm talking to you with the hair yeah where did you get this it's good stuff That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the Forbes Sports Money Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ozanian. On this show, we talk about the business of sports. It's my great pleasure today to have B.J. Armstrong as my guest. Now, most of you probably know... B.J. was a three-time NBA champ with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, But what you may not know is that in 2007, B.J. joined Wasserman as a player agent. And in 2012, he was elevated to co-manage the basketball group at Wasserman. He is now the executive vice president and managing executive of basketball at Wasserman. B.J., thanks so much for spending some time with us.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, and uh, I've been a fan for a long time, and uh, really, uh, really, uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, to come on the show.
0: Thank you. So, one thing I always wanted to know is, being a player agent, more of an art or more of a science?
1: Well, that's a really great question. Uh, I think it's a little bit of both, and uh, I just go back on my own experience uh, as a player, what I was looking for in my representation And then I had to once I was done playing, I I went into the uh, front office side, uh, uh, becoming an assistant general manager and kind of leaning a little bit on what I learned from the team side. And, you know, all of this really boils down for me when I did make the transition. It came down to seeing how sports and entertainment was coming together to form some type of hybrid. You know, it's not really sports just pure sports. It's not really entertainment. It's coming together in some type of hybrid. So that was my fascination with uh, becoming an agent is where you see the business, sports, entertainment was all kind of coming to this one, you know, point where everyone was seeing, you know, you saw people like Jordan doing space, you know, space jam, and you saw how entertainment, you know, all the, all the the rappers and entertainers want to be sports figures and all the sports figures want to be entertainers. So and I think now with social media, you see this overlap and it's becoming some type of hybrid that's going to just continue to grow. And taking a moment to thank our
0: sponsors, Varidesk, Rocket Mortgage and ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at com slash Forbes. You'll hear more about these companies later in the show. You were at the bulls when it seemed like to me it started to transform what you're talking about where... Sports became much more than just a sport. It became a form of entertainment that we started seeing in many type of platforms, whether well, it be movies and then, of course, later on online and Now athletes have the ability to have more control of their brands and and to be able to do more things with those brands, where back in the day it was like, "Let me just cut an endorsement deal if I can and and take that and run with it. where now they're getting equity in businesses. They're getting involved sometimes in ownership. You know, look at LeBron owns a small investment in the soccer team. Liverpool, of course, the guy that you played with, MJ, he's now the owner of an NBA franchise and another minority investor in the Miami Marlins. That transformation, did you see that coming? Did that
1: sort of start during your era with the Bulls? You know, you have to go back in history with, you know, some of the guys like Oscar Robertson. Hmm you know, who were socially conscious of what they had to go through to get to this point. Capitalism and growing up here in America, you 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 learn how to fight for your rights. And I go back to Oscar Robertson, which I became fascinated when I became an NBA player was, how did we get to free agency? What did free agency mean? What was the concept of just knowing, like what is your true value? How am I going to ever learn what my true value is if I never become a free agent? What does all that mean? So The business of sports was always something to me I was curious about uh, as a player and watching Michael Jordan. What was his true value to what he was doing as an NBA player? Mm -hmm. That just fascinated me. And how are we going to calculate this? So, you know, as a kid, I go back to the the people that preceded me. I just go back to, you know, how the players joined together to say, you know what, if we're going to do this, how are we going to, Fight for our value as players. You know, what, uh, what position can we take here to create a system where we can at least know our value and participate in the growth of the game as it continues to grow? So I went back to the things before me, and once I kind of learned it, I, 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 you know, I just continued to grow. And and as you see, as the business continues to grow internationally, I mean, basketball is. Arguably, probably going to be one of the most popular game in the world, and probably it probably will surpass soccer here in years to come. So, you know, it's uh, I go way back to, to to the guys who started it, and uh, I always go back to that point with Oscar Robertson and Bill Russell and Jerry West and those guys who really fought so that today's players can prosper and really have the economic freedom that they're, they're currently having. So. Um, those guys is ones I pay the tribute to
0: very, very smart guys. And it really ticks me off today when I talk to somebody and they don't know who Kurt Flood is and what he did. And in fact, you know how he brought free the price he paid, the price he paid with his career, the years it took off his life to fight for free agency in baseball. You know, one of my favorite stories still is they talk about, When he was in court, Kurt Floyd, which he he lost that first case on the reserve clause, and and none of the star players came to support him in court or spoke. And then one day, Jackie Robertson walked into the courtroom to testify. And even then, his health wasn't that good, even though he was still relatively young. But because of what price he paid to break the color barrier in baseball— And they said the courtroom went silent out of the respect for the man. And to me, those are the things, you know, that are most important, that that we need to remember the sacrifices that were made. You know, Bill Russell, uh, more people tend to know who he was because of all the championships he won and because of the fact he was very articulate and he was a commentator for the NBA for a long time. Uh, Oscar, not so much. Uh, What can you tell me about what you learned from Oscar?
1: Well, I I think Oscar just had a a very sense of himself, you know, and having an opportunity to meet him over the years during my playing career. And I see him, you know, during All-Star weekend and and things uh, maybe at a game here or there, you know, he has a a huge presence of self. When you speak with him, he speaks with, he's such a principled man in what he believes I I just really what I've learned from him over the years is just is you got to stand for yourself and you got to try to do the the, you know doing the right thing and the correct thing is you know it's very difficult to do and I remember one of the things he told me he said you know the the most difficult thing you'll ever do in life is to do the right thing and uh, I just remember him sharing that with me 20-25 years ago when I was still playing and uh, you know he just kind of you know, he wasn't saying it to, you know, like he was preaching or anything. He just kind of, you know, you got this sense that this man had a great presence of who he who he is, who he was and, and, and what he stands for. So I enjoy my conversations with him. I'm very thankful that what he did and what he fought for for this league, for all of the players who played in this league, you know, besides being a, you know, an incredible basketball player. And I think what he did as a basketball player speaks for itself but the principles of what he believed and fought for have withstood the test of time. And uh, he is one of the great pioneers of the game and what he's done for the game. I think we all have benefited from what he believed in as a player back then. And I think all the current players today, we have to thank him and all the other players who really stood up and fought for what they believe was the right thing to do at that particular time. Is, and, and, and when it comes to free agency, and when it comes to, you know, labor disputes. So, you know, those guys, uh, we owe a lot to them. I love Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Bulls.
0: Obviously, a tough guy at times, you know, not always the easiest guy to work for.
1: What was the experience
0: like working for the Bulls in the front office?
1: I came into this league in 1989 with Jerry, and uh, Jerry has a reputation, and deservedly, he's a phenomenal negotiator. He understands the, the point, he understands his position, and he's a very tough negotiator. He taught me when I worked for the Bulls over seven years, and he taught me something that was very valuable. BJ, knowing what not to do is more important than knowing what to do. Interesting. It was very interesting then, and it's held true over, over the years. He has been a great mentor for me over the years, a phenomenal friend. And, you know, it's funny how we came in this league as a 21, 22-year-old and, you know, you kind of see him and, you know, he was the owner. And then all of a sudden I worked for him as an executive. And now over the years we were negotiating against one another and, and contracts over the years. And he has uh, really been a great, great friend and supporter of my, my career and what I've done. And uh, so I owe the ultimate respect to him. But he is a tough negotiator and he's a, a very smart man. And, you know, I owe a lot of my career to him because he's taught me a lot about the business. And he always encouraged me to learn the business so that I can do what's in the best behalf of my clients and what, I, what I'm currently doing. So uh, he's been a phenomenal, phenomenal mentor over the years and someone I truly respect.
0: Now, I, as someone who was watching your career at the time, you before you were working for the Bulls, destroying my New York Knicks teams, keeping them (laughs) from getting to the finals and maybe winning a championship, to following your career working for the Bulls. I thought at the time, just following you, that, you know, you seemed, having never spoken to you, just watching, seemed like, you know what, it seems like this guy, he could be on his way to running an NBA team, like president of a team. And then all of a sudden I'm watching and, off you go, You're an agent.
1: what What made you make the switch? When I retired right around two thousand, I did. I went to work for the team. Actually, I worked for the Bulls for six, six and a half years, almost seven years. And the one thing that always has bothered me when I was working on the team side was was the players. I could not I knew what that felt like to be a player. And I said if I was gonna fight, if I was gonna fight the good fight, was I going to fight for the team's perspective or the player's perspective? And just as the teams have excellent representation and when they're negotiating and what they're doing on their behalf, you know, I I saw a need for the players to have the same type of representation and passion. And as a player, that's all you can ask for, you know, you can't make every shot, but certainly you can, you can give yourself every chance to make that shot by preparing for that moment. So, um, you know, at at heart, my heart of hearts, I was, I'm a player. I I, I know what that feels like. And I know what what that means to the players who go out there and prepare and give their all to have this one moment in time. You know, it's not, you know, as a player, you know, you have a shelf life and every moment, every time you're on the floor is so precious and it's a gift. So I just think in my heart of hearts, I side with the players and I firmly stand from that side. I think the The teams do an excellent job. Uh, This league has been a phenomenal league for me personally, professionally, and one I truly respect, but the players is kind of where my heart was at. And um, so I get their perspective. I enjoy fighting for the players. I enjoy fighting for, for what they believe in and what they do. And just as the teams do a great job of fighting for their perspective as well. So in the end, That's just kind of where my heart was at, and uh, it's really worked out for me. And we'll be right back after
0: this quick break. Traditional static offices are a thing of the past. Today, companies and employees want an active workspace. Varidesk helps people reimagine their office design. Being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health by boosting energy and productivity. The new ProDesk 60 electric standing desk is the cornerstone of the active office. It's designed with commercial-grade materials, stable at any height, and fully assembled in under five minutes. Plus, all Varidesk products are made to last. They're also simple to set up and move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. Check out Varidesk products, including the new ProDesk 60 electric risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns. Learn more at varidesk.com Forbes. That's V-A-R-I desk.com Forbes. And there's Rocket Mortgage. Support for the Forbes Sports Money Podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent, online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com Forbes. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. BJ, what's a conversation like a little bit between you and a player when you're both discussing whether or not, you know, it would be right for you to represent them and and right for them to have you as their representative?
1: It happens on a a lot of different levels. You know, first is, you know, clearly you, you want to properly evaluate the player and what's the expectations and manage the expectations. You know, we all come into this league young and a little naive of who we think we could be into, and, and then telling someone who they really are is, is, is very, sometimes it can be very difficult. You know, most of us come into the league as star players, you know, you're the star in high school, you were the star in college. And then, you know, you have these dreams and aspirations to be a star in the NBA, but the majority of the players who actually play and have a career in the NBA end up being role players. And there's nothing wrong with being a role player. You know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, I'll just give an example. You know, uh, everyone comes in as wants to be Michael Jordan or wants to be a Scottie Pippen or Julius Irving. But you know what, what's wrong with uh, being a Charles Oakley? You know, what's wrong with being a B.J. Armstrong or what's wrong with being a Horace Grant or Dennis Robin? You know, uh, you know, you come into this league and you figure out how to have a career and everyone can't shoot. Everyone can't score. Everyone can't be the star. But what you can be is a very valuable piece and have a, a significant career in the NBA, understanding what you can and can't do in this league. So my conversations always go, you know. I, it just boils down to something very simple. You know, understanding is the solution to the problem. Like we all want to shoot, you know, when I played in the Bulls. Yeah, I, I wanted to score 25 points and be the star of the game, too. But there was this guy there by the name of Michael Jordan okay. <laughs> who demanded that I pass him the ball. And I could have fought that. I could have went in a lot of different directions. But it was the understanding of what I was here to do. I was here to do a job. And that's the key, I think, to being becoming a, a professional with a career is you understand and you take your profession very seriously because it is a job. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a job to do every single night as a professional basketball player, and I did that on a consistent basis. You know, scoring points and getting the headlines may not be in the picture that I had envisioned for myself. But what what is very valuable is that I do all the little things that help my team win. But more importantly, that I do my job consistently when I'm paid to do so. That's the big thing, I think, helping young people transition to understanding who they are, what they can become. And most importantly, how can you have a career at this level and uh, have a career in this league? One of the things I think that's very interesting is,
0: you know, looking at the guys you rep, Derek Rose, Draymond Green, JaVal McGee, three very different type of players. Yep. When, when you've signed with them all for several years, they've stayed with you. Derek Rose, I believe at the time that uh, you signed with him, he had been the youngest MVP in the league. Yeah. And, um, you know, LeBron hadn't yet been the player that he is today. I mean, he was the guy. Kobe was, I think, in in the downside of his career. So he was sort of the guy. You know, uh, McGee is sort of the guy that you were describing a little earlier, you know, sort of. a, a real workhorse who who doesn't get a lot of highlight reels and, and Draymond, of course, now with Golden State, you know that is the franchise right now. So from the outside looking in, it's like, gee, you know, BJ's got three totally different guys, but are they totally different? Is you know, what's your approach like, and 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 sort of uh, what made you click with these three individuals?
1: Well, you know, there there, there is a thing that I. I take that it goes back this goes all the way back to my understanding is the solution to every problem when i when I retired, I really was fascinated how people draft players, how they trade for players, how they actually evaluate players. So I really wanted to learn how to scout. I wanted to learn how to scout to what actually works here what was the common theme of why a team won in 19? 46 to what was the why Why did the Knicks win in 1970? Why were the Pistons in the late 80s? What made the Bulls? What makes the San Antonio Spurs? Now, what is the Golden State? Well, what is the common thread here that allows these players to win at this level? So I wanted to learn how to scout. I wanted to learn how to properly evaluate a player from an executive position. I knew how to do it from a player. If I went to a gym and I saw this guy, I, I kind of, but I really wanted to really hone my skill. And what I learned was a couple of things. One, first you have to identify what is talent. What really what is talent? You know, everyone says, oh, this guy's a talent, but what is a talent? And what I came to the conclusion that a talent. Is The following It can be defined as the following. It is anything that someone can do night in and night out on a consistent basis. That's a talent. Right. If a guy scores 30 points one night and then he scores two points the next night, he doesn't really have a talent. He just had a good night. Anybody can have a good night. But if you are a talented player. And your talent is to score the ball. You're going to consistently score whatever it is you score night in and night out on a consistent basis. So I take myself night in and night out. I knew I was going to score 12 to 15 points a night. I don't care win, lose or draw, whatever that game was. Some nights it may I may score 20. But every night in this league that I showed up, I was going to consistently score 12 to 15 points a game. John Stockton was going to consistently have 10 to 12 assists every single night, no matter what. That's a talent. So when you see someone that's able to do something over and over and over again, then you know he's a talent. And then what I found out, the second thing, which is more important than actually the first thing, which is the talent, is the toughness. Does this guy have the capability to show up and do the job every night? Every night. So I look for two things. I look for talent and I look for toughness. You know when you look at when you look at the players, how I evaluate them and you know, wh- how I come to figure out who's going to play in this league, you can be the most talented player in the league, but if you don't show up to do the job every night and you're not consistently doing it, it doesn't really matter. So I you look at it, Draymond Green. Draymond Green was probably the most difficult scouting scout I've ever had to identify because when you look at his talent, you know, you wouldn't say he he doesn't have the 35 or 40 inch vertical. He's not the sweet shooting fadeaway jump shot. He's not the player that, you know, that has the long arm. He doesn't do it. But when you look at his talent, what does he do every single night? He's constantly somewhere between 12 to 15 points. He's going to get eight to 12 rebounds a night. And he's going to defend consistently every night in this league. And his toughness is off the charts. The kid plays through everything. You never have to worry about him showing up and competing at any given time. So when I saw him and where he fell in the draft, I wasn't alone because I realized how tough of a scout that was. But all of these so-called experts missed him, too. That's how he got to Golden State. So I look for two things. I look for talent and I look for toughness. Derrick Rose was easy. Right. I mean, a massive talent (laughs) and a a very, very, you know, a very tough kid. You know, uh, you know, he's had some injuries here as of late. But when he is healthy and when he is out there on the floor, you know, he's going to give it everything he has. No doubt about that. You know, another kid you mentioned, missing, JaVale McGee, a massive talent. And right now, he, like most bigs, the game changed on the big guys during midstream of his career. It went from everyone was looking for a big, big, big. And now the game has gone small. But to his credit, he's reinvented himself and figured out how to play in this small ball era as a seven footer. So the toughness that he has to figure out and not make any mistakes of why he's continuing to play. Those are the things I look for. So I look for talent. I look for toughness and I continue to stay with those things because those are the common denominator that help people achieve every, you know, achieve at the highest level in this league. And that's one of, you know, I've kind of stuck with over the years. BJ, do you ever uh, uh, talk to or consider the player's family?
0: you know, what the parents are like, where and how they grew up?
1: Absolutely. You, you, you look at that because you need family in this business. You need family to support you in this business. You need all the help that you can get. So, yes, you look at family. You look at the structure. You look at the relationships because you need that. You know, nothing can replace your family. And, um, you know, this is a very tough league. And uh, it's a very lonely league because you're constantly traveling. You're constantly in hotels. You're constantly moving from city to city. So having family and loved ones and people you've known uh, is very, very helpful, especially, you know, as you, especially for young players coming into this league, you want to support them with all the loved ones and friends and family that you can possibly get.
0: How important is ownership of a team? And the context of that, BJ, is I was talking to Chris Paul not long ago. And uh, I had asked him something regarding, you know, he went to Houston. The team was sold. Now Tillman Fertitta, of course, owns the Rockets, and he said, you know, one of the things he, he he really liked about Tillman Fertitta was that, you know, how passionate he was about the game. He was at every game. It was like sort of something similar he saw when he was with the Clippers and Steve Bomber had come in. You know, he was there. He was a real. It was a real advocate. Is that sort of thing something as an agent? that you keep an eye on besides the dollar signs is, is what type of owner is this and how involved with the team is he?
1: Well, I, I think over the years I, I've seen, you know, kind of the progression of ownership. You know, at one point, you know, you had owners and you ne- you never even knew who they were. They were just kind of in the background. And then all of a sudden you start owners becoming more prominent and seeing them in the forefront. Uh, in this era, I think the ownership is the most important aspect of uh, of the team. I think the days of having what, you know, just for the sake of using the term, an absentee owner, those days are over. You need an owner who's very involved, just like you mentioned. You need an owner who is there and wants to see and carry out the team. You know, of course, you're going to have disputes within any healthy relationship. I think it's healthy for the front office and the coach to have disagreements. I think it's healthy for uh, players and coaches to say, well, maybe we should defend the screen roll this way. And then I think that's healthy. But I think, without without the owner being there, I think, how are you going to solve those problems? Because there's the, the, the four people that sit at the table of any organization is the owner, the general manager, the head coach and the players. And I think it's healthy for all four of those people to be able to express their opinions, have healthy dialogue and then come to the best conclusion in which you're all trying to do the one thing that's going to bond you all together anyway, which is winning. And I think Golden State has been I think they over the last four to five years. They've set the bar of what ownership is going to look like in years moving in, in years moving forward for all sports, their involvement. I think when they have what Bob Myers and the people have done, and they, you know, they had Jerry West that was there. Steve Kerr's leadership has been phenomenal, and the accountability that the players have had, whether it's Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, now Kevin Durant in the fold, you know, I, I think what they've done is you see the participation of all four of these groups sitting there and having. I think, healthy dialogue on which way to go in in, in one cause. Because the only thing that bonds that group together is winning. And uh, I think the Warriors have really set the example of what ownership uh, should look like moving forward in a sports franchise.
0: And we'll be right back after this quick break. Hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive. So you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com Forbes. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We
1: are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers, Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges, and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.
0: In 2012, you signed, you know, the phenomenal shoe deal, of course, Derek Rose and Adidas re- reported at 185 million over 12 years, but just a, a, an astounding deal. Something you touched on earlier is how the NBA has continued to grow internationally, particularly in China. These players are like superstars when they go to China and they and they put on clinics for their shoes or show off their new deals and make appearances there. What's the process like, BJ, when you start to put everything together, you've had a player for a couple of years, and now you're going to, whether it be the front office or or an endorser, and these pieces of value that you see that this player has, how do you present that? What are sort of the key nuggets that you take out and say, this is what this player has to offer and, and, and why their value is X?
1: I look at a couple of things. One, what's the style of play that this player has? You know, it's very hard to sell, you know, bigs in general are very hard to sell for shoes. You know, what kind of, you know, you take a Shaquille O'Neal, for instance, like, you know, he's a great endorser as a personality, but I don't think many young kids are growing up saying they want to play basketball with their back to the basket, like a Shaquille O'Neal. On the other hand, you'll have a player like an Allen Iverson who you see and you go, oh, wow, that's fun. Just, he's, a, he's a fun player. So, again, being able to evaluate guards as compared to bigs and style of play means something, and you have to be able to see that. Um, what is the value? I, I think you have to look at, you know, Michael Jordan – was perhaps you know, one of the hardest working players I've ever been around because he worked on his craft every single day. But the one thing he ne- he doesn't get enough credit for is Michael Jordan doesn't get the credit for how hard he worked on his craft off the court as well. And the professionalism that he had off the court was secondary to none. He took that very serious. He took it so serious, he was the first player that ever taught me how to interview after the game. You never see him interview without a suit on. I always chuckle at myself when I see players, they'll just come out of the locker room and they'll have a towel around their neck or some of them, you know, they they won't have a shirt on or anything. Michael Jordan took every opportunity in front of the camera to promote himself back then. And if you watch him, you never saw him after a game being interviewed with just... And you know a T-shirt or a shirt, he was always in a suit and tie because he wanted to project a certain image, and I remember him talking about that, how important that was to him and what he was trying to do off the court. So it was little things like that when I began to notice the professionalism of how he was conducting himself and how serious he took himself off the court that really gave me a clue on how hard you have to work. Not only to be a good basketball player, but how hard you have to be to get the credibility to be a spokesman, to be someone who takes that craft very serious. So, you know, he, he taught me a lot. I watched a lot. And most importantly, I think that's why he's the best to ever have ever done it, because he practiced you know, what he preached. He wanted to be a person that was taken serious off the court and he attacked it the same way he attacked it on the court and no one really gives him the credit but he was way ahead of his time. And if you look at any of those interviews, he took that five to 10 minutes every after every game to make a projection of how he wanted people to perceive him. And he took that very seriously. He never would get in front of the camera unless he was ready to talk. And most importantly, project himself visually in a way that he wanted people to perceive him.
0: Yeah, I think with social media today and Instagram and tweeting and all that, a lot of people tend to feel that it's probably more of a negative, but in my opinion, it really offers players an opportunity to control their brand and to develop yes. their brand the way they would like it to be.
1: I couldn't agree more with you. I, I'm so excited about this generation because of social media. I ask myself the 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 billion dollar question that I ask myself, if I was representing Michael Jordan today, what would you do? What would I do? How would I do this? You know, what would what would be needed to when you have a player of that magnitude who gets it on the court clearly, but also understands the work that's involved off the court, what would you do? So I think this is a incredible time to be uh, an athlete because of social media. And I think I'm so excited to see where it goes, because I think the the player who gets it, is going to far exceed anything that has been done before him or her uh, because of social media, just like you said
0: you know i I have to imagine that very easily you could be representing two or three times as many players as you are. Um, am, am I right, and is it simply because you don't feel that there are some players that, even though you possibly can make a lot of money with, that just aren't a right fit for you?
1: Yeah. You know what? And and that's one thing you learn over the over the years is I've learned very quickly in this business. I I learned as a as a player, I learned it as an executive. And and I certainly carry that with me into into becoming an agent is you have to take stewardship of the people that you work with and you have to take that responsibility. So a lot of times it's not a good fit. And a lot of times, you know what, you got to know your personality. I have to know my personality. I have to know the personality of the people I'm working with. And most importantly, you know, this is a tough profession. You know, we 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 talk about all of the, the positives and the players who go on to become stars or MVPs or defensive players of the year. But you don't talk about all the players who just get a cup of coffee in this league. They're in one year or they may get drafted and it doesn't work out. And those are that's the heart of what I do is dealing with people's, you know, uh, you know, how you deal with failure is very important up here. You know, you only hear the good sides of the stories, but you know what, these people are, they're human beings and becoming an agent. Yes. You know, I can, I can sit here and tell you about all the, the, the great stories, but the real stories are, you're just dealing with, you know, just human problems each and every day. You know, how do you transition you're dealing with life. So, um, the real work of what I do is once people retire, that's the real work. And that's probably what I enjoy more than anything in this business is once the air is out of the ball, now what? Because that's the question that we're all going to be faced with, whether you're Michael Jordan or whether you're the last guy sitting on the bench, we all, you know, life moves on with or without you. So my biggest job, and it's always, that's basically, you know, you know, probably the thing that excites me more than anything. Okay. What are you going to do once that air comes out of the ball? You know, because that's a question that we all have to, we all have to answer no matter whether you want to do it or not. You're not going to play forever. You certainly not going to have that sweet jump shot forever. You're not going to have, you know, the legs that allow you to jump 35 or 40 inches, not, you know, later in life. So what are you going to do? And, uh, that's the big thing that we do. And that's the people where Wasserman have allowed, me and they've supported me to helping these young people transition once they stop playing and they go into, you know, what I can say, you know, the real world, you know, you come out here and now you got to reinvent yourself. And more importantly, you got to figure out what you're going to do. What are some
0: of the good opportunities there? I mean, we've already talked about how players now when they leave the, the sport, they have more opportunities than they used to 20, 30 years ago. But what are some of the things you've worked on with some of your players to help set them up for the future when they stop playing?
1: You know, I I always say this to all the the guys who get drafted and you know, lottery picks and whether they're the first pick in the draft or the last pick in the draft. Okay, the draft is only gonna last one day of your life. Let's enjoy this. Okay, now the hard work is gonna begin because now you gotta have a career. And what are you gonna do? We better find that out sooner rather than later. You know, there and the NBA. And I'm not as familiar with the NFL, and Major League Baseball, but the NBA has done a wonderful job of supporting their players. Right. You see many of the players, former players working in the front office. You see many of the former players coaching. You see many of the former players working, whether it's on TNT or NBA TV, ESPN here. And they offer programs for the players in the summer to figure out that one question. You know, who am I? Which we all have to answer. And, you know, what am I going to do? So the NBA and the players union and they they offered these programs to where people can actually find out what their interests are outside of, you know, basketball, what it is they naturally do and what they're what they've become very good at. So, you know, I owe a lot of credit to that. I think Adam Silver and what he's done and, and he certainly, you know, when I uh, when I, you know, him and I, you know, paths crossed, we. know, that's one of the things that we always discuss, you know, what are we doing to help these young people transition? Because when you're done playing, you're 35, 36, you're a young man. And what are we helping our players do? Because we want our players to be successful, not only as basketball players, but as fathers and as husbands and as people in the communities in which, you know, we've learned to grow. Many of us, you know, settle into communities where we didn't actually grow up, but we've learned to appreciate those communities and stay there. So, the NBA has been very supportive. Uh, Wasserman and the people here, we, you know, they've been very supportive and we try to support our players to make those transitions so they can have careers outside of basketball.
0: What, what You know, you talk about Wasserman, of course, has been growing fast and doing a great job in, in many facets of, you know, sports outside of agency to working naming rights deals to stadiums and all of that sort of stuff. And a lot of people thought going back a few years that, you know, Derek Rose, when he came into the league, was going to go to a creative artist agency, wasn't even going to go to Wasserman. Um, When when an agency goes and talks to an athlete like a Derek Rose and is saying, you know, we think we could be a good fit for you, what are some of the key things it presents? Because I can't imagine at that time – you know, you don't want to get to the point where you're saying, well, you know, we can get you a shoe deal for this amount or, or get you a contract for that amount because you, you never really know, you know. And But you but you can, I imagine, present all the things that the agency has to offer, whether it be ties to the entertainment community or Hollywood or this or that. I mean, I'm just throwing stuff out
1: there. But, yeah, you, you know, know I, what's that process like? you Look, you know, I, I get asked that, all the time when people ask me to come speak, you know, what is the pitch? You know, especially young people who want to get in the business and or they ask me to speak at universities and and young people who are thinking about becoming an agent. And I thought I was coming up with a good, unique question. it's, it's It's, 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 It's fascinating to me because the. But again, I, I get that I'm I'm probably unique to this position because I am a former player, you know. And people ask me about you know what makes this company, what what is your sales pitch? Well, my my sales pitch is very 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 simple. As f- the first thing is, I listen to what the player and the family is looking for. That's the first thing. I I, I I make sure that I listen more than I talk first because this is not about me per se on what I'm going to do. I've already had my career. I've already, I I was an NBA champion. I was an NBA all-star. I did all of these things. So it's not about what I can do for you. It's about listening to the problems of today's youth and what is it they're looking for. So for me as an agent and what, as I'm listening, It is very important that we all understand how we're going to get to where we want to get to. Everyone wants to be, you know, have a brand. Everyone wants to have a shoe deal. Everyone wants to do this. What is the one thing that's going to allow us to do there? And there's only one thing I've ever seen. That's called performance, my friend. If you don't perform. None of this happens. Right. So when I begin to hear people in a room talk about brand and what they think they're worth and they want to get this, I immediately probably go out and say, you know what? That's probably not the right fit for us. So when, when the, when the conversation goes away from performance, which is basketball performance, I think that's a major problem because Michael Jordan who was the greatest at performing. He performed every single night. All of the other things that happened, whether it was Nike, Hanes, Gatorade, whatever companies, Chevrolet, whoever companies he was working with, all came as a result of the performance on the floor. So the only thing that I can do as an agent is to allow you to understand that the performance is going to dictate all the other things and opportunities that we're going to have, because if we don't perform. What's going to happen? LeBron James performs now, all the other things came as a result of his performance on the court, not the other way around. If that was the case, then everyone would be a part of you know, the Nike campaign ads or the soccer team that he's he's involved in and all the other things that he's doing. That young man has performed on the court, and now he's taking advantage of his performance by the opportunities that come as a result of what he did on the floor. So, you know, I just saw the other day where he was talking about how he's investing in the summer and his body and, and what he puts in the, to, to prepare himself. When you see people get away from that, you can just about dictate or say what's going to happen off the court because you got to perform. There's no way around it. So I I, I listen. I listen carefully. And when you see people who want to perform, you know, just like you mentioned with Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose performed. He was the youngest MVP. Ever in the history of the NBA. Well, when you perform, it's only natural that all the other things will happen uh, because of that. So um, to me, it's very simple, but it, it has gotten complicated because. You know, a lot of times people get distracted and people want to rest on what they did yesterday. But this is a league where you have to perform every single day. And if you want to have all of the things that go with, you know, branding and opportunities, then, you know, like I tell the kids, you know what? If you win 11 scoring titles and six championships, <laughs> <laughs> your first team NBA for your entire career. And if I can't do my job, then, yeah, you, mm-hmm. you it, You should have a problem with me. But first, we got to perform and we have to do that at the highest level. So, again, it just comes about understanding what this business, how it really works and how we really want it to be can be a little different, you know, in our own way of thinking. So uh, performance is the one thing that will always be out front, first and foremost. And I look for the players who want to perform. If you perform, you know, we can all do our job and get out of this what we came to do. Hey,
0: I know you're insanely busy, but I, I just have to ask you one more question, BJ, yes, before I let you go. And and this really comes more from a a fan that's followed you for your career than uh, the business side. Where the heck did you get your
1: toughness from? I got my toughness two places, right? I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. And I grew up in the city of Detroit. And if you know all of us in Detroit, we all got a little chip on our shoulder, right? You know, uh, in Detroit, But I got my toughness from my mother and my father. And every day I saw my mother and father. And I was so fortunate as a kid growing up in the city to see a mother and father who worked and they just figured it out. And they always taught me to just work hard and they didn't just talk about it. They gave me an example to follow. So, you know, the work ethic of my parents and my family that was around me and the people that cared for me. I wouldn't trade that for anything. So my toughness came from, you know, I I, I wouldn't consider myself. And I was very realistic. I wasn't the most talented player. I didn't have the talent of a Isaiah Thomas. I didn't have the talent of, you know, Bernard King or Magic Johnson. But I knew every single day that I was going to have the toughness to show up and compete every single night. And that's what I enjoy most about the NBA is that every night I had an opportunity to compete at the highest level. And. You know, as one of my my coaches always tell me, the score is always zero, zero, my friend. There is no winners and losers when you show up to the game. And I always took that to heart is every night I was going to show up. I was going to show up every single night, just like every day I come to work, like every day when I'm in a negotiation. I'm going to show up and I'm going to work. Now, the results, you know, sometimes you miss the shot. Sometimes you make the shot. But there's no doubt that I'm going to show up. So. I owe that to my parents. Uh, My mom and dad, they still work. Uh, They're in their seventies and they said, that's what we do. So, you know, I owe it to Detroit, you know, we're, we're the motor city, you know, Uh, we're a blue collar place. We're a blue collar uh, town and that's where we work. But my parents, you know, I have to thank them. And uh, I'm so grateful to have parents who, you know, that just showed me that example of what hard work can do every single day. BJ, I,
0: I have to say, thank you so much for taking the time and, uh, uh, a lot of great stuff here. I'm sure there's a lot of great stuff we didn't have a chance to get to. And hopefully we can connect in the future, my friend. Thank you so much, sir.
1: Thank you so much. And I hope you don't hold it against me about your Knicks. You know, uh, that those were great times. And, uh, you know, those are some of the fondest memories I have in the NBA is just playing in Madison Square Garden and the Knicks fans are the best. And every time I'm in New York, I still get harassed all these years later. <laughs> it's the funniest thing to me. <laughs> you know, they're like, you suck Armstrong. And I was like, that was 30 years ago. You know, like, but you know what? Hey man, much respect. And that's what I always love about the Knicks, man. They talk about you. And then at the end they go, hey man, but I loved your game. <laughs> and I hey. always respect that about New Yorkers. And uh, But those are great times and great teams. And uh, you know, when I see even Knicks players, we talk about those were great times in the NBA.
0: Let me tell you, if you weren't great and that team wasn't great back then, we wouldn't be harassing you. You would have been <laughs> forgotten.
1: <laughs> I know. That's great. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, BJ. Have a great day.
0: That's it for this episode of Forbes Sports Money. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a comment or question, please email us at dot onecom That's O-N-E dot com. New to Podcast One, Office Hours with Spencer Raskoff. Hi, I'm Spencer Raskoff, the CEO of Zillow Group. Listen as I have one-on-one conversations with other CEOs. We have the kind of conversations that can only happen between peers, tackling tough questions, sharing hard-won insights, and helping to define what leadership means today. You can find his show and other great business-related shows like Forbes Interview and Forbes Under 30 exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the new Podcast One app right workspace is more than just square footage. It's an incubator of achievement, a magnet for talent. Your workforce unleashed. For 160 years, Savills has been bringing real intelligence to global real estate, ensuring not just any space, but the perfect workspace. Because the most important dimension of a building is the human one. Savills. See what Savills can do for you at Savills.us. I'm Ed Donahue.